Good morning. This is Jay Westerveld with our weekly show, Tales and Trails, where we talk about things local in New York State. We talk about things global. We talk with uh, biologists, ecologists, authors, archaeologists, everyone and anyone of interest, and public officials. And it's a real privilege today uh, to have uh, my guest, uh, um, Dan Harder, who's the mayor of the Village of Florida. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Jay. How are you? Hello, terrestrial radio listeners. <laughs> and maybe a couple ETs. You never know who's <laughs> who's picking up these signals because we're rocking it old school and new. You know, we podcast and uh, there's regular radio waves. Dan is the mayor of Florida, New York. And just a, a quick little bit of background. I'm not going to go into any historical context. The village of Florida, New York is a, a village, an incorporated village within the town of Warwick, which is in Orange County. Warwick's the largest town in the county. It hosts three villages, numerous hamlets. And um, the interesting thing about the village of Florida to me, besides the fact that in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, it's the most beautiful village in the state, certainly uh, for a number of reasons, and the coolest for a number of other reasons. Um, but it, it during this pandemic, where nationwide uh, municipalities have, I mean, everybody's struggling and they've faced some, uh, in many cases, insurmountable challenges. And they've really, you know, you see a lot of shuttered businesses and things like that. The village of Florida has continued. I mean, I can't speak totally to it. I'm just talking about a guy who goes to the businesses there, who uh, drives down Main Street, walks down Main Street. This prosperity that really had a renaissance when uh, Mayor Dan uh, took over a few years ago, it hasn't really faltered. And, you know, I know Mayor Dan has had a very interesting business model, a very interesting uh upbringing in the village uh dan i think your grandfather had been the mayor yes he was yeah he yeah, was he dynamite was. i mean I, I i knew him uh he he uh he did a great job a beloved mayor uh after him uh jim pavlicek who we we uh miss he passed away and dan sort of without throwing signs all over everyone's lawn everywhere without making this huge push went door to door the old school way i think you probably use social media you're a very modern dude <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it was, uh, yeah, Facebook was a very big help. Um, and uh, I just, I modeled the uh, the whole campaign with, uh, you know, trying to do it community grassroots, just talk to people and go around and listen to people's complaints, which I I try to still do to this day. And I hope, you know, I hope the village still still sees that. And I'm always looking for feedback. So feel free to comment if that's, if you feel like you haven't been heard. I always want to try to give an ear to the village. So that's a fact. And, and you've done a great job. And I know, firsthand my interactions with you with um your municipal leadership uh has had to do with the reservoir which uh has been sort of a nightmare to deal with i've been a part of that nightmare by being the ecologist who said hey look we've got you know the state's largest population of endangered species and in the past there was sort of a when that came out and there's what happens is this reservoir is very weedy it's got it gets more and more weedy all the time and right now because of the presence of the endangered frog and the fact that the weeds help them to a degree the state has been been very reluctant to give permits to just do weed removal just some harvesting well dan mayor dan your honor uh is also 
an absolutely, in my opinion, brilliant uh, educated ecologist, very experienced uh, sportsman, outdoorsman. Dan understands that, okay, the frogs are there, but they're not there year round. You know, there are times of the year where the village should be able to go in, harvest the weeds, so that during the rest of the year, you know, you're pulling up rootstocks or what have you, um, they can be managed. And he's he prevailed upon uh, a senator uh, recently. She got the state DC to come to a site visit. Yep, that's almost unheard of, really, at that level. And uh, you know, I thank you for inviting me along to that visit. It was, I think, kind of promising. Uh, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an all hands on deck sort of approach. I'm I'm going with that lake because there's it's it's not going to get better the reality is it's going to and jay what's the what's the technical term for that a succession succession yeah you've yeah. got it <clears throat> i mean you look at photos of that lake from the 70s and it was much more open much more you know much deeper pools and much. it's it's just slowly turning into a swamp and uh, as our drinking water reservoir that is a critical problem and right now we have you know, we have to do something and it's, you know, it's been one of those things that it's, it's been pushed off and, and delayed. And now it's, it, I, I want to try to spearhead it and get it done. Um, the weeds are the biggest problem. Um, yeah, know. by far, I'd say, right? <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, Senator, you know, the Senator did, you know, Senator Metzger, she brought together the, uh, regional three, uh, Bill Rudge and a couple other individuals. And we had a good discussion. Um, had the uh, Glenmere Conservation Coalition representative there, Jay. Thank you. Um, we did talk. Um, we, we just tried to do a lot of brainstorming. And um, it, it, it's, I tried, I've always tried with, you know, anything wildlife or nature, I always try to do like a, um, a management conservation level approach. And we overall, uh, it, that lake can be managed. And I just, the DEC, a lot of those people who are working on the projects, endangered species, they don't, unless they see it in person, real world they don't understand the problems we are describing to them so it was a big step to get them there to see it currently i'm working on two proposals to send to them which will um one is one is a weed raker which is a motorized machine which is gonna they use them on greenwood lake um i'm gonna try to get a ima agreement with a couple of municipalities to borrow theirs at certain times of the year to work around the frog because the reality is they're not going anywhere yeah yeah, and, and the, you know, when you do the weed removal, when they're not there, you know, they leave in, in the autumn, they mm -hmm. come back in the late spring. When they're not in the lake, it won't affect them, it won't impact them. And if the, as you would discuss with the DC, you leave, uh, let's say, I don't, I, for lack of a better expression, a critical conservation area, little patches of areas where there are plants on which they can breed, where we know they're already there in big numbers, but the other patches that line so many of the shorelines and now go right across the lake, right yeah. across the middle of yes. the lake, which in my lifetime, you know, over half a century, uh, spending a, putting real quality hours in on that lake year round, um, I've never seen that happen through the center of the lake. Let's say between, as you and I know, the rope swing in the park, mm -hmm, as we'd mm -hmm. say as locals, you know, by Catfish Rock. Um, and so Dan's approach makes perfect sense. Start clearing that, and you even discussed a pilot program with them, like cordoning off an area. Those are the two pilot programs we're going to work on. The one is I have to designate an area, which is pretty much where you describe to clear out with the machinery. The other one is to approach with uh, the triploid grass carp, which have yes. shown work. Uh, they have worked in the past in other places. Um, it's, it's a no-brainer. But the DEC's concern is they could escape or have negative ecological impacts, which if we can show them in a piece, which I'm going to section off for the fish, I don't know, probably I'm going to try to do like a half acre parcel. Sure. 
put them in there and show them after the pilot program is concluded, you know, this is what they can do. And, you know, we should, we should make this a bigger scaled operation. So hopefully they'll see that, you know, the fruits of that labor and we'll go forward with it and have a more active management of that lake. And a, yeah, really active and effective, you know, and what a lot of listeners may not understand is what a triploid grass carp is. It's a species that's, uh, you know, Russian and, um, you know, uh, primarily Siberian. It goes into China a bit. Uh, I actually fish for them overseas a lot, including, well, anyway, so when they're triploid, what that means is they're sterilized in such a way they, they can never reproduce. So the idea of, well, these things are going to go out and, you know, like a, a sci-fi movie, suddenly be able to reproduce and eat all the weeds. It's absurd. When I, on this show, as I get a little more and more bold with it, I'll share more of my opinions. If I share an opinion, it doesn't imply that my guest, especially an elected official, necessarily agrees with them. In my own opinion, at the New York State DEC and at other agencies, including federal agencies, there's a reluctance to use these fish because there are some people who'd rather see chemicals used uh, because some of those people may have a connection with a chemical company. I'll just go that far with it. I won't go much farther. The triploid grass carp can absolutely fix the problem. There are nearby lakes like Walton Lake mm -hmm. where they're, they're used and the patches of lily pads still do well. They don't expand. They stay where they are. The fish are great. I think Mayor Dan's approach will be the solution that, you know, really ends the actual problem and lets people have more water. So with that, I th think we're taking a quick break and we'll be back with Mayor Dan Harder. Okay. Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, this is Dr. David Leach, the superintendent of the Warwick Valley Central School District and host of Your Schools. Listen every Monday at 12 noon to learn what's happening in your schools right here on WTBQ, radio worth listening to. This is attorney Bob Kruhulik of the law firm Beatty & Kruhulik, the lawyer guy. Tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon for the latest legal advice and tips. We're taking calls and giving answers to all your legal questions. That's every Tuesday at 12 noon on radio worth listening to. And we're back with Tales and Trails. I'm Jay Westerveld. This is my weekly show. Uh, nature, history, global events, local events. My guest today is just, in, in my opinion, sort of a phenomenon. A very young mayor here in New York State, the mayor of the village of Florida, New York, which, as I said in the intro, in case you missed it, is very unique in that the village didn't seem to falter too much economically during this pandemic when other villages, including the eponymous village of Warwick, New York, the village of Warwick, um, has really, you know, faltered and they're doing their best. The mayor is working hard. Um, you see a lot of businesses shuttered. You see, you know, there were a lot of issues. Now the village of Warwick is, 
you know, I see some vibrance coming back. It's nice and crowded uh, on weekends. Mayor Harder, Dan, as far as the village of Florida, speaking of friends of mine who are business owners there, uh, one of them, uh, Joe and Amy Fatino, back in the goods, uh, back in the game of sporting goods consignment, they say that you made it possible for them to open a, a business there, which is a really thriving business, in a way that no other public official ever could have. You sort of made things get done in a perfectly legal, intelligent, actionable fashion. It, do you attribute this to the successor? Oh, I, I always, you know, I again, I, I came in and uh, we did have, I forget how many shuttered buildings, but um, my approach has always been going forward as mayor. I'm very pro-business, and if you come to the village of Florida and you want to start a business, you know, we will do the best we can to accommodate you and make it happen so that you can benefit the community and uh, yourself as a business owner. So I'm, I'm all for making it happen. And, and you've made it happen in a way where you're not, okay. Well, I, I'll say this. Please. I, I have a very good team with, you know, working under me. Um, they're very, you know, ambitious. They're very intelligent and they, you know, they strive to, you know, give input and uh, ideas that in a think tank, it makes, it makes good things happen. So I, it's, it's not just me. It's, it's the people that work with me and uh, the community as a whole is, is very aware of what small town America is with small businesses. And they really, they come together. And if you, you know, especially in this pandemic, they knew businesses were hurting and a lot of business owners would say that, yeah, people came and they supported us and they bought food or product or they shopped they all came out as a small town to work together to keep them you know going and hopefully you know knock on wood we're gonna you know keep going forward and you know everyone will stay afloat from this point on we did have um two new businesses open we had an it repair company on uh, the corner of bridge street and then we just right. had uh zoe's latin cafe over by uh, the professional building they're both on main street and um, they, you know, they came in during a pandemic and uh, they were excited to, to open up their shops and, and start uh, start working. So I, I reached out to both of them and anything they would need to stay or to help out, you know, on, on my level for them, I'm more than willing to help. So going forward, you know, just let's let's keep it make it happen. And you and you've been making it happen. And you 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 made an interesting point, Mayor. You said that when you came in and i know this is factual that there were a lot of shuttered businesses that was years before this pandemic it's um <clears throat> it, well i can't speak for what happened prior but um, no no and yeah. i'm not asking you to what i'm saying no, there is, was there was several business windows you know closed and um it was it was just for whatever reasons they they just had no uh no you know no one to fill in there um one of the issues is parking uh, we've been trying to uh keep the parking, uh, you know, traffic flow going so that people can walk in and shop. I'm, you know, we're trying to do a couple different approaches to, uh, you know, when you drive through Florida, you can see the, uh, actual signs of what businesses are there. Uh, I just have, uh, I have a new, uh, trustee, uh, Alyssa Werner. She's going to, um, she's probably going to help me spearhead even better how to go forward to build these businesses up as a business owner herself. So it's, um, there's a lot of good things on the horizon. And, you know, Alyssa Werner, uh, her family's business, you know, we, anybody local, not even just from Florida, but outlying areas know that it is like the real old school 
general store. It's a hardware store, but you can buy great clothes there. You can, I mean, you can buy everything, canning goods, fishing gear downstairs, chainsaws, uh, all kitchen goods. It's amazing. And they don't just stay afloat. They do really well. Mm -hmm. And during the pandemic, they were, I came back to the States in March of this year, uh, hard to believe. And I remember, you know, my mom lives locally and, uh, she didn't have access to masks or gloves or you know cleaning things because everything was mm -hmm. shelves were barren and i i saw on facebook Alyssa herself uh, an ad she put showing they have all these shelves of gloves and masks and they had a deal when nobody could i went over there they were so smart i guess they bought masks at bulk and ziploc them hmm. and according to grade you know grade two yep, grade yep. three and then however many went in a ziploc and they had them for sale not to profit because they were cheap that you know the masks were cheap i mean in price um it was to make sure that the community had them that blew my mind werner's i mean they've always been there it's always where i've gone for car hearts i can get them cheaper on amazon but no they you know the, werner's is just one of the many good businesses we have um you know there's there is something for everybody in the village of florida you just have to look we yeah, have. that's a fact. Yeah. That is absolutely. There's something for everybody in Werner's. I think yeah. the place is amazing. But um, yeah, we always, you know, we have the two hardware stores. We have, you know, Roe Brothers and oh. Werner's. And some people, okay, how can you have two co, you know, how coexist? And I said, well, I think both of them, they have their own niche market. Absolutely. And they both, you know, one is known for more than the other one, and vice versa. And it, it's a nice coexistence. And you know, they both are great community contributors and they do wonderful things for our community specifically. And you know, a lot of people still, uh, builders, prefer to go to Rose, deal with, you know, Arnold uh, Beeling mm -hmm. and, yep. and his sons, uh, you know, Timmy Scott, and um, you know, some of the other folks there for building supplies that they somehow Rose manages to give better prices and way better service than the big box stores mm -hmm. we don't have to mention around yep. here. These guys, I mean, you, anytime I go past Rose, there's so many contractor vans out there. Well, what I always tell everybody that's, uh, you know, anything about, I say, if you want small town businesses in small town America, not just Florida, yep. across the nation, if you want them to survive, you got to support them. Yeah, and that's and it. You'll you will not get a better service from a big box store than what you can get in a small business. No, it's a fact, and a lot of people don't understand how um, a lot of big box stores use loss leaders. You know, oh, they you know they have like Clorox cleanup on sale, but then when you're getting sheets of plywood, maybe that's where they're really making it on you. Or the the plywood's cheap, but then you start looking at actual hardware, your your fasteners and all, and that's where they're suddenly kind of pulling out the baseball bat on you. <laughs> But Florida, now you mentioned uh, small town America, and the cool thing about your village, Mayor Dan, is that it retains, people always say the small town feel, and that gets to be a cliche, it retains the small town reality where people know each other, you can buy anything you need on Main Street, you can eat whatever you want on Main Street, but it's hip, mm -hmm. and it gets more and more hip without, you know, other municipalities, won't name them, um, they, the leaders try too hard to make it hip or to make it feel like, you know, Williamsburg, Brooklyn or something. You don't, you don't make these efforts. You're just real. You're out there. You're making sure everybody has what they want. Everybody is calm and at ease. Your police force. What a dynamite bunch of guys from Jimmy Coleman, uh, right through the line. Um, I I've been pulled over there, you know, Never, I never feel like I'm hassled. I never feel like I'm being cross-examined. I feel like guys are saying, hey, uh, is there anything we can help you find? By the way, slow down. You know, um, it's a great place. And the cops are amazing. You know, what a, with so many people, 
evacuating um you know the city in the metro area like snake plissken in escape from new york the village of florida is just the most comforting real authentic uh small town feel yeah, i know houses are houses are being bought up it's amazing how fast they're going it's insane but um <clears throat> i'm always hoping you know especially this year with um when we start doing elections again for uh trustees i'm going to start going door to door and just try to introduce us to these new you know residents and just say hi you know we're you know we're the governing body of the village of florida what can we do for you and um you know why did you come here i always like to get the feedback from the people i love it because you know it's 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 a, like a consumer product study you gotta you know you gotta know what the people want and if uh I try to, you know, model the approach going forward, especially like with Main Street and some of the activities the village does or functions. And uh, it's, you know, knock on wood again, it's been uh, it's been very positive feedback. No, and I, I, I see that you can see it all over social media. Um, I, you know, stay on one of the Florida, New York uh Facebook groups. I follow the pages. You don't see a lot of negativity when you do like this morning. People were complaining about um, loud pickup trucks and Harleys. I, I hardly ever notice it, but on a weekend, yeah, you know, a couple of guys, myself included, might ride a loud V-twin through Florida. But you don't hear people complaining about, you know, the cost of pickup or, you know, all the roads uh, aren't kept up or anything. Your, our, biggest, our biggest complaint with roads is Route 94. <laughs> which you guys don't have any agency I know, over. That's, that's so, you know, I wish we could do more, but, you know, it's that's on the state level. And I've been pushing since I took office to get that repaved. And it's always... They have excuses. No, a state agency has yeah. excuses. <laughs> and um, I, I, like I said, I want to work with them. There's, there's some ideas I've, I've fished around to see if they'd be enticed to do. I'm kind of, you know, after this election we just had, I'm waiting for things to settle down, let the dust settle, and then try to approach. I don't. Do we even have a senator right now? I don't know who won. You know, I, it looks like it's it's going to be uh, Mike Martucci, okay. but it's not definitive yet. Uh, so you know, if you're you're either going to be dealing with the lady with whom you dealt before, or yeah. Mike. I mean, I'm I'm I will go across party lines either way. I oh want, yeah. I mean, you know, on this level, we got to work with whoever's in charge, and at the end of the day, everybody's goals are the same to help you know the people you serve. So sure. that's that's what we do, and that's what I'm going to try to do with 94. And that's and that yeah. you know it's funny because well it's not funny ha ha it's funny interesting and peculiar that so so many main street towns in the state of new york their main street is actually technically a state road yeah it is and so you you sort of don't have a uh, direct agency over your own lifeblood you know your own heart so to speak it's a strange one but still despite that you've just done a beautiful job your historical society they do a great job. I mean, yeah. birthplace of William Seward. Yep. And it, it's funny, you know, um, I used to work a lot and live in Eastern Europe. I still deal with uh, a lot of Russian people in, in Central Asia. Uh, that's an understatement. Everybody knows over there who William Seward is. You know, I, he you know, brokered the deal with Catherine the Great. They learn about him in school. <laughs> and uh, no, It's really cool to have that in our hometown. I, you know, it's, it's part of history and... Uh, you know, it, it's cool just to see when he pops up in like movies or on yeah. documentaries. And it's like, I, you know, that he's our hometown guy. He came from our town. And it's, you know, I have yet to go to Alaska, but I am going to go to Alaska just to, you know, just to say, yep, you know, William Henry bought this. 
That's, That's amazing. Cool. Yeah, a Spartan, so to speak, you yeah. know, right from uh, Main Street, Florida. And, and the Historical Society is doing a, a great job restoring his homestead, it looks like. Yeah, there's two buildings there. There's the Mape Seward Homestead. Uh, the building in the back is uh, what you would call the actual birthplace. The white building in the front is the Mape's house. And that's a um, separate individual. He fought in the Civil War. Sure. Um, there's a lot of great history with him and... Um, Right now, we are looking to, because of the COVID and the, you know all that pandemic, we kind of slowed down doing the restoration work, but now that things are starting to pick up again, we're going to start moving forward. I want to get that outside little gazebo done with the stairs. Oh, that looks great. It'll look really nice. Um, again, the Historical Society has been doing uh, window restoration inside. They're working from the top down, and uh, we, just, we just have to get back on track and go forward with that. Funding, of course, is always a uh, you know big cost, and... Uh, we did do a couple bid projects and uh, costs did go up substantially, which is a little bit disheartening, but you know, we've got to figure out ways to, to make it happen because we don't want, you know, those buildings to turn to dust. So we have to move forward somehow. Uh, donations always help if anyone's listening. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yep. um, it's um, it, it'll be a beautiful building. And I think overall our goal is to get it as a information center when it's completed on the first floor. That's and then, brilliant. And then maybe do, um, Again, I, I have to finalize all the plans with the Historical Society because they they did do a lot of the, you know, the, the elbow grease work. They they make a lot of things happen there. So, I don't, you know, I don't want to step on anyone's toes projection of what the future holds for it. But um, I think that would be a nice little shining beacon in the village to have that happen. Yeah, I look forward to it. It will happen, I'm sure. Uh, after a quick word from the folks who make it possible, we'll be speaking more with Mayor Dan Harder, Village Mayor, Florida. Sam's Meat has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Tune into the Nonprofit Notebook, your resource for and about people helping people. Learn about all the events and services available for you, friends, or family. Open your Nonprofit Notebook Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Radio worth listening to. Hi, I'm Dave Edwards, and I invite you to join me every Sunday night when we'll showcase a perfect album. I'll start with side one, track one, and we'll play every song in order from the record. A few bonus songs, as well as some trivia, too, right here on Radio Worth Listening To. WTBQ for this afternoon, a beautiful day, unseasonably warm, lots of sunshine highs in the middle 70s. Tonight, clear to start with areas of fog developing after midnight. Could be a bit dense in spots, upper 40s to near 50. Tuesday morning, fog dense in spots again with a mixture of sun and clouds for the afternoon. Temperatures nearing 70. Tuesday evening, then increasing clouds. Watch for fog and some drizzle, a low in the upper 50s. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Michael Perianti. WTBQ. We're back with Tales and Trails. I'm Jay Westervelt, the host of this weekly show. And we are, we have the uh, pleasure of talking with 
Mayor Dan Harder of the Village of Florida here in the town of Warwick in New York State. And Florida is a very, very, very unique village. Uh, it's truly got this small town feel here in the 21st century, but with, you know, modern day uh, sensibility. And it's just incredibly hip. And unlike a lot of other municipalities, it just somehow feels like it's becoming more and more hip and successful. And interestingly, uh, when Mayor Dan uh, took over, this was well before the pandemic hit, uh, years before, you know, things were a little rough in Florida, a little rough around the edges, businesses were struggling. Dan changed that, he turned the village around so that now during this horrific pandemic where we're all, you know, really sacked economically, this, you've got some nice burgeoning businesses. You've got a really nice main street. Great stuff is happening there every week, went, weekend. And I drive through every weekend for sure. And um, it's just been nice to see. And, you know, like a, a true leader, you're not taking credit yourself, even though I think you should get a lot of the credit. You um, you cited uh, some of your board. That's yeah, no, I, I have a really good board. Um, you know, Craig Olenichuk, uh, Tom Fuller, John Barzak. Uh, you know, Brian before he left, there was, and now I have uh, Alyssa Werner. I mean, they all, you know, we disagree on things sometimes, but at the end of the day, they, you know, I think we all had the same goal of making, you know, Florida better. So that's, you know, that's still a goal today. And, uh, you know, I never want to settle and say it's done. You always want to keep saying there's what else can you do? What else can you make better? And uh, just, you know, just keep sculpting it. No, it's, I've seen you do that. And um, it's interesting, you know, I got, I've, met tom fuller a few times over the years at the drive-in and certainly at that uh, uh meeting you had with the dc and and he, he gets it he gets the big picture your your whole board are great uh, in, interesting thing um the one john barzak the few times i've met him was usually i'd see somebody kind of going along a creek on the side of the road in the winter and i think oh does this guy need help and i realized oh, he's chopping muskrat yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that was back when they were worth money now it's oh man what although i have to say when i was a kid which you know that's a long time ago 1970s uh, my brother and i trapped rat and mink like muskrat we call them rat um apostrophe rat uh muskrat and mink like crazy and back then muskrat didn't command much money prime pelts were man maybe a quarter to 50 cents and mink were the big money but then i understood that muskrat prices went up and then down again i mean i haven't trapped in years just because it's such a time dedication but um in the day you know we we could get muskrat skins for five to ten dollars a pop i cannot imagine that you know because when i was when when i was trapping as a kid and a teen they just didn't command much and this you know, obviously the, the pelts are so beautiful, but people don't understand that the time involved, that 4 a.m. courage of getting mm -hmm. up, running your line in the snow. Yep. Um, and Bust, then, busting through the ice to check your sets. It's, it's not easy. Not at all. And it is cold. Usually, you you know, people don't understand. You wear a basket, not just a rucksack, because you have to carry big, bulky mm -hmm. things. And then skinning and uh, fleshing and just, you know, as you know, muskrat fat, you have to pull that stuff a lot. And uh, the cost of stretchers and all, it's, it's interesting. And I was always impressed at the few times I've seen that man were when he was checking his line. Oh, no, John John is uh, an outdoorsman through and through. That man, he's he's done quite a bit outside. It's very impressive. I, I guess you could say career, but yeah. <laughs> no, he enjoys the outdoors. No, he for enjoys. sure. And uh, so have you for your whole life, as have I. Your yep. family actually mm -hmm. have a good reputation with that. Um, oh, yeah. 
You grew up as a sportsman. Mm, still do. Oh, good. Still do. Best I can whenever I can get out. <laughs> yeah, it's tougher and tougher these days, for sure. Um, and you come from a long line of uh, public servants yourself. I think I've heard it said that you might be the only fella in your family who's not a policeman. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, my two brothers are, one's a, one's a village of Goshen uh, police officer, one works for Port Authority. Uh, my cousin, he's, uh, I believe he's a sergeant now in the uh, town of Warwick. Yes, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd heard that. And your dad had been or may still be a, a state trooper? He's retired. He, okay. um, he put in 37 years. Um, his brother worked in uh, corrections. He retired as a lieutenant. Um, yeah, law enforcement's been big in the family. Good, and that doesn't hurt at all with your approach to uh, public service, you know, because as you said, and it, you know, it, it reminds me of like what good street cops do in the city. You want to hear what the community needs. You're proactive. Mm -hmm. You exactly. Want, you know, you you don't you, you don't want to make sure. Oh, you're you know you're well protected and you can take the problems down. You want to address them before they actually are problems. And, yeah, and exactly. that's nice. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, you know, I, I got a real kick out of it seeing you dealing with the New York State DEC as an agency there, you know, they have the onerous bureaucracies that all agencies do. Each individual employee isn't necessarily to blame, especially at these regional levels. And there's a, a here in Region 3, New York State DEC, we do have a good new regional director, Kelly uh, Turturro, I believe, who used to be a council. She came, uh, she was with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. why. And I was stunned because I, you know, I haven't been in touch with that agency in a long time, except to keep all of my research permits up to speed. And um, I was impressed to see her in that role. And uh, Bill Rudge, who has forever been uh, sort of the, the orchestrator of everything ecological, that guy's got a thankless job that he really, you know, he, the guy works 24 seven and you dealt with him on such a human level, making such sense because yourself as a sportsman and a truly an ecologist, you're a man who understands ecology. And that's something that I've greatly admired about you forever. And, um, you know, I, I really felt like Dan, you were able to cut through some of that um, onerous bureaucratic veneer and speak to these people in such a way that you made them understand the problem. You articulate exceptionally well across many levels. It was oh, cool to see. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it just gets to the point where you know you could see, and again, you know, politically, you could see when whenever an endangered species comes in, it's always uh, let's you know, it's always an us versus them. We gotta you know, delist it or do something on that line. And in reality, that's not going to happen. No. So, no, you know, what, what are your alternatives? You gotta, you gotta try to figure out something. I mean, we're in, in our particular case, that's our, that's a drinking, you know, reservoir. Yeah. We have, we have nothing else to rely upon right now. So that's it. And water is, Let's admit it. Just go to the store and you'll see water is more valuable than oil right now. Water's water's the new gold. It, it and really it will is. continue into the future. It very much so. And we already see sort of prospectors starting up in New York. There are engineering firms here in New York State. Some of them are national and even international who are putting all their emphasis on water, water management, water conservation, water procurement, water rights procurements. When you have this Main Street America village whose only water source 
is being, you know, and, and there's no side that's totally right in this uh, as far as government agencies, et cetera, because previous to your administration, Dan, the reason I got involved was that the approach that was being suggested by some agencies and some individuals was to just use chemical means, just, you know, use chemicals against the problem. I don't, I don't speak strongly against chemical use in agriculture for a number of reasons. And uh, while I enjoy organic ag, I also enjoy ag that isn't organic. I love Pine Island onions. I love mm -hmm. Florida onions, you know, Chester onions, and they're, they're not grown organically. They're great. And I understand why the farmers have to be married to some of these chemicals. But in the case of drinking water, I thought, gosh, not only is this going to destroy the New York State's last major population, really last population of this species, but it may not be good for the people. Have you ever seen the jellyfish lately? They're gone, right? Gone. Yeah. Absolutely. You got what a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. This lake had freshwater jellyfish. Yeah. Every year there'd be a bloom of them. And, you know, people would say, Jay, what are you smoking out there? Seeing jellyfish in Glenmare. No, they, they existed. I remember seeing them bass fishing back when I was like eight, nine years old with, uh, with grandpa. And yeah. Beautiful. It blew your mind. It's like they shouldn't be here, but, you know, freshwater jellyfish, here they are. There were a lot of interesting species that uh, really you would only see in Glenmare locally, none of the other water bodies. And, you know, without veering off into a big science talk, I'd always said that this is why the cricket frogs remain there during the DDT spring for the gypsy moths back in the uh, certainly 60s and 70s. Glenmare, for the most part, was spared because it was a public water supply. So they still had a lot of bugs, which kept these frogs alive, kept other things alive in other places. Uh, many things got wiped out. Now, the freshwater jellyfish continued well, and the lake was also a great source for freshwater mussels. Mm -hmm. um, you, yep. and you can still see to this day otter middens where the otters are still eating them. So as you said to me the other day or last month, I think the, uh, the mussels are still here because, you know, we can see sign. Yeah, the otters are a good indicator. They, if they can find them, they're there. <laughs> they're there for sure. And man, uh, they, they definitely find them. But no, things like freshwater jellyfish are gone from there. And I believe that's because of synthetic chemical uh, management. Um, and I, you know, it, they, I, would, I would disagree. And here's why. Let me Be, hear. Because back in this, was it the South Bog? Yes. You used to see those, the hives, you know, when they would grow. Yeah. And the, the chem big. and chemicals flow downstream. Yeah. So we never, as far as I know, the village of Florida never applied stuff up that way. Never. No, you're right. Nobody's applied chemicals there. So and they're not but, back there either. And, you know, as a swamp, you have that natural filter system. Yeah. So how, you know, where did they go? I think That's it's from the, point. I think it's from the lake filling in. I think you're right. Maybe just the change in dissolved oxygen mm -hmm. because the plants, that, you know, that's a great point. You know, it's funny. Here's the mayor of a municipality bringing up these, you know, bryozoan masses in the, uh, <laughs> in the bog and how those are actually the uh, one part of the life cycle, the freshwater jellyfish. They start as this big, gross looking, you know, straight out of a horror movie, this big gelatinous mass on submerged uh, branches and stuff. It's really creepy looking. looks like clear gel. And then uh, one day in the late spring or early summer, I think, suddenly you'll see jellyfish yep. emerge from it. Really beautiful, fascinating lifestyle uh, cycle. But here I am hypothesizing, well, I think the chemicals probably did it. And Dan, with great rational, you know, scientific logic, you pointed out, no, that's highly unlikely to be the case. And if we're not seeing them in the bog back there, and we're not, they're definitely going from there. I put major hours in there. 
it's got to be something else. Well, I mean, if you if you row through that, it's it's just it's Eurasian milfoil right now. It is, and you know, it's wild because I have a really shallow draft uh, old town canoe, which you know I've I've, I've willed to my child, uh, and it's small enough uh, already for my child. But I have this tiny uh, shallow draft canoe, fiberglass and Kevlar. Even without, I'm having a hard time paddling mm-hmm. through that stuff, man. I've snapped a lot of oars back there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And forget about fishing in the summer, no. which is good and bad. But I mean, even a weedless purple worm is going to get caught in there. No, it's a great fishery. It's just, you know, it's hard once the stuff starts to grow in again, you're locked out. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get some ice this year and we can try any ice. Oh, and Mayor Dan, God bless you. Thank you for getting it so that we may be able to go ice fishing on Glenmare again. There's uh, Fing- Fingers crossed for some cold weather. I know a lot of people are holding off, you know, praying that we don't get it, but you know, ice fishing's fun. It's something to do in the wintertime, and it's in Glenmere Lake. It's got a great fishery there for that. And it's clean water. It's a reservoir. So those fish, there's no, you know, gasoline or anything like that getting into their systems. They taste amazing. And I'm not going to give... Uh, Too many, too many ideas to people. After our break, we're going to be back with Mayor Dan Harder. Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Tune in every Saturday at 8 a.m. for Horseplay with me, Jimmy Cassidy of the Clover Stables. Boarding, riding lessons, and how to take life by the reins. Radio worth listening to. This is Jeff Berkman, and I invite you to tune in to the Wednesday Morning Roundtable on Radio Worth Listening To, New Jersey and Orange Free Radio. Free to express your opinions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. WTVQ. Hi, we're back with Tales and Trails. This is Jay Westerveld uh, having a laugh with Mayor Dan uh, during the break. Uh, Mayor Dan Harden, the mayor of the village of Florida, New York, which... If you live in New York City, we broadcast to this city, uh, 93.5 uh, locally, uh, 11, 10 a.m., um, uh, a.m., uh, me- not meaning morning, but meaning uh, a.m. on the dial. Um, come visit Florida, New York. You will see something that is like out of It's a Wonderful Life. It's just an absolutely beautiful agricultural community. And it's not that sort of contrived agriculture um, where we... Well, I, I, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to sound like I'm in any way impugning any other municipalities because that's not my objective. Uh, I have to say, believe it or not, sometimes I think. But my point about this is with Florida, there's this intrinsic attachment to agriculture. The black dirt fields, which are, they used to be swamp. And what happened was it, it, it's a huge agricultural area. You see these big fields that are black of black dirt. Yeah, I forget how many acres it is. It's thousands of acres. Thousands, which is amazing, I think. And so a Polish immigrant, initially English immigrants, and then Polish immigrants came in and took over and did 
finish the job, did it right and finished the job, uh, they turned it all into arable fields that are this deep, rich black soil that grows world-class onions. It was the onion capital of the world at one time. Which is amazing. Onion capital of the world. What culture doesn't use onions? I can't think of any. I mean, you know, uh, that to me is mind-blowing. And onion capital of the world, and to this day, in my opinion, in terms of taste and all it should be, tragically, that they're struggling. And, you know, my friend Chris Pavelski, I can't believe he, after a multi-generational mm-hmm. onion farm, he had to finally close down. A lot of them did. It's, it's, it's depressing. It's just, it's very hard to compete on a global scale market-wise. Yeah, you look know, at China. I, our neighbors, Canada, they, they undercut us. They have a, you know, they're subsidized by the government, I believe. Yes, they are. Yeah, they so are. It, it's very hard to compete. And, you know, some farmers, like, like you said, they had to close doors. Some, some evolved, some tried to, different things, but... You are seeing a little bit of a renaissance right now. There is, you know, the hemp uh, program they're pushing right now. And a lot of, some guys are getting into it. And you see a lot of small people like buying farms up and just doing like little local farm things. How is that? Do you, do you see those succeeding? I mean, in your experience, Dan, is that, are they making out at all? It's, it's hard to tell right now. I mean, you know, the pandemic kind of threw everything for a loop. So it's, I mean, I think for our area, it's good to know we have a food source right down the road. And I think that that thought process is going to hopefully revitalize that black dirt even more than it is now. It's a good point. I mean, you know, with no farmers, no food. And we saw the pandemic, we had a lot of issues with, um, you know, shortages of stuff in the markets. So, you know, what better ways, especially, you know, projection into the future, if, uh, you know, we have stuff here locally, you have little local farms, you have apple orchards, you have little dairy farms that are struggling, but they're trying, you know, these things should be utilized more close. You know, you should know where your food comes from. You should know the person you're buying the food from. And I think farmers markets have really helped expand that. Absolutely. And you know, it's now that that brings up an interesting point that I I really never thought of. And that is there's this incredibly rich arable land. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of it, the farmers are struggling. We're in a pandemic. We hope it's wrapping up. It's not going to be the last pandemic. You know, we're in an age with the, uh, a lot of factors that we could cover in 10 more shows uh, that are going to give us more of these pandemics. People should be thinking locally. People who are leaving uh, Brooklyn, the island, uh, the Bronx to move up here, um, they should start thinking about sourcing much more locally and maybe getting involved in some of these community farms that we yeah. see. Uh, in places like yeah. Florida, especially for a number of reasons there. I, you know, overseas, I have to deal with Chinese produce a lot. And I, I have no problem speaking directly uh, to the fact that they'll grow bananas that are like so chemically uh, riddled. And then they put uh, Del Monte Philippine stickers on them. You know, they just manufacture their own stickers. They make or- stickers that say organic, mm-hmm. USDA organic, even overseas, put them on product. We get rice uh, in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, that we we think, oh, great, we have this wonderful uh, white rice. You know, it says it's from Korea. And then if you put it in a pan and just put it over heat without water, you'll see a bunch of it melt and you smell styrofoam. It's not an urban myth. This is what happens. This is how they're getting rid of a lot of old styrofoam and plastics that sometimes are coming from here. We have to get away from a lot of these foreign crops in a place like Florida Doors are open there. If people want to come in and start exploring ways to get into agriculture, maybe change their lifestyle and uh, on a really happy, busy main street with, by the way, great schools. Mm -hmm. 
That's a sewer. I went there myself. My whole family went there. <laughs> I remember when it was that little tiny thing back Sure. In, I started there just when they did the big renovations. I think they're going through a renovation now and then following year or so, but it's it's a good school. It's it's very unique because I mean, I go when I went to college in Rutgers or you know, they say, well, you know, where'd you go? Oh, I never heard of that. Well, how, how was your graduating class? I graduated with 42. <laughs> you know? That's great. And they're like, they, you know, they look at you like, you know, you have six heads. I said, no, that was, you know, it's a small. But I think that whole small teaching scale, you know, you get a good education and, yeah. you know, you get a much more intimate teaching experience with your, you know, your your teachers. They, they, they are able to read you more. You know, they can understand if you're having struggles. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a great opportunity if you're going to go forward to get an education that, you know, S.S. Seward has to offer. You know, friends of mine from the city who have moved here, they rave about it and they say what they get is something that's technically a public school and it's giving a private school education to mm-hmm. their kids. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're coming from P.S. Hemina, Hemina, Hemina. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's very different, very different style of teaching. It's not uh, it's it's one central right in town. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, kids can walk to and from it, yeah. and you see them doing that, and fearlessly. You know, it's it's not an area where there's you know you're worried about some kind of bizarre stalkers or something. I mean, it, again, your police force. I don't mean to go off about them, but you know, between the town of Chester and the village too, and the village of Florida, these are two incredibly human, effective police departments that really impress me every day, especially Florida's. And um, and that's right down to, to the individual officer. But it makes for a much safer environment for kids to walk to and from school. And uh, you're a product of that system. And look where you are, man. You yeah, know? Well, yeah it's, it's, it's good. It's a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Where, what did you study at Rutgers? Anthropology. Oh, my God. I, Anthropology. A you... uh, little bit of paleontology. And um, oh, yeah. Well, you know, black dirt was, you know, we pulled up a lot of mastodons from yeah. there and, you know, who knows what else is laying underground. And there may be another uh, another thing for some of the black dirt farmers to do, to open their farms to some modern uh, paleontological um, screening techniques. You never know. That's great that you studied anthro. Yeah, no, um, it was fun. It was good. Uh, primatology was a good, uh, good part of it. And uh, a little bit of socio, uh, you know, sociological stuff with sure. the human, you know, behavior and everything. So it all... All comes into play. <laughs> sure. So as, as an anthropologist, what do you make of uh, social media right now during the pandemic in this day and age? Like anything, it's a double-edged sword. I think it you get the ability to open up on a global scale, but you do see, especially with our younger kids who don't go out, they don't have the interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Yeah, and they're being exposed to a lot of things that maybe in all cases aren't too great to be exposed to, I think. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about 200 other discussions. Yeah. Um, but there is good to it. Perhaps. There is good to it. There is good to it. It's, I mean, you know, you have the world at your fingertips now. Yeah, you absolutely I, you know, do. I mean, I mean, it's how I stay connected now. Yeah, like I said, when I was in school, I mean, the Oregon Trail was like the big thing on computers, <laughs> you know? And like, I think it was in ninth grade, we took a typing class. And, you know, we were just in that transitionary period where it was... And then, you know, you had MySpace. Right. I mean, you know, oh, God. Yeah. my. I mean, I remember, yeah, before there was a, yeah, a Facebook. I and, mean, you know, I, I got to say it was a very unique experience to go from the old school, you know, media and then and, and this, this evolutionary steps into what we right. have now. Right. What I a mean, time to be alive. Yeah. I mean, I'm behind on the Twitter and all that stuff. I don't have that. That's... <laughs> 
Yeah. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I have Twitter, but man, I honestly, I it's sometimes to me, it just feels like I have the measles. You know, I just, I, I want to shower after I go near it sometimes. So yeah, twi Twitter for me, sometimes it's useful, a little less so lately. I know a lot of people often decry Facebook as being a little archaic, but I've seen how in our municipalities in this state, many others and across the world, people are better able to connect with their elected officials. Oh, it's it's a really good tool to use. I use it. I, yeah. mean, I have my I have my Facebook page and uh, I do get messages from, you know, citizens asking questions. Um, sometimes, you know, they're afraid to publicly ask questions. So they, they you know, on a, on a more private level and I'm more than happy to, you know, because they're afraid of backlash or whatever. Of course. Especially in this political climate we live in now. Yeah. So... It's a good tool to use, and um, it's it's just going forward. It's it's the way it's the way it's going to be for you know the future. And you've used it exceptionally well. I know that I may you know I'm a guy who's tough to find. I don't carry a cell phone. I'm out in the woods a lot, and when I'm overseas, it's a lot worse. I'm really in remote areas. Through Facebook, I can contact you, and I get a response within. 12, 24 hours, which is difficult any other way with anybody. You know, you're yeah, great yeah. with it. You use it so well for the public betterment. Yeah, it's it's, it's just a, a, one of the, you know, a modern tool. Yeah. It's a modern tool. It's 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 the new version of a cell phone, basically. It really is, which was a new version of yeah. a telephone, which was a new version of Telegraph. I mean, who which, knows what's coming next? Yeah, I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared. <laughs> what do you see coming next for the village of Florida? Well, let's see. Um, we're working right now with uh, the Presbyterian Church to um, move our Christmas tree back into the main drag. Oh, yeah. How long has it been since the Christmas tree was lit there? Oh, good question. Yeah, I, I mean... It's been a while. Yeah, a long time. I, I just in this, you know, this the way the last few months have gone, and I, I you know, I think it's a time, especially in the winter months coming. It's a good way to get the community together. Sure. Try to try to do some feel good activities for the community. So we're working and uh, with the Chamber of Commerce of the Village of Florida, we're trying to think of little activities for the kids and adults, and you know, we're just trying to keep the village active. You do a great job. Yeah. You, it really is active. And uh, if you can bring the Christmas tree lighting back, uh, you know, where it used to be, that would really be a nice feeling. Fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. It, it, looks, it looks promising. Um, you know, we sent uh, an agreement to the church and they've been very receptive and I, I got high hopes. Good. Got high hopes. Good. Uh, you know, I think that's, <laughs> it, it's nice to have high hopes. It, it's also even nicer to be that man or that, that official, sorry, um, who implements those high hopes. And you've done that, you, you know, you've brought high hopes to Florida, New York, and you've absolutely delivered on that. And I, I see you continuing to do that. And I know my friends of businesses there would certainly agree. Thank you so much, oh, Mayor This Dan. was fun, thanks for having me. I hope you come back. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay.